Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. So we'll pay her in cash. Well, Gavin, not a check. She's a hooker, Gavin. She's not going to take a check. We'll pay her in cash. Ass. The following podcast contains... Ah! What the f*** did you do that for? Hey! That was... Don't swear. What are we? Werewolves, not swearwolves. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you thought the hot red-headed Russian chick was into you for your balding middle-aged chubby looks, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host Dave Bledsoe and this is a Friday, July 27th, 2018. She was with the Russians too? Edition of the show where we talk about all the sweet, sweet honey in the honey pot. Stay tuned. The what the hell you think your podcast is brought to you by Vlad's Nice Girl Dating Service. You look for nice girl, you look at Vlad. He's not spying, swear. Vlad matches unattractive mid-level nobodies with access to interesting people and information with smoking foxes looking for American boyfriend who work in politics or military or finance or maybe Google. They think that's sexy, so they think you are sexy. Vlad help you find. Just submit your resume with references of important people you know to Vlad. You find Russian fox for you. No questions asked. Of Vlad. Vlad Nice Girl Dating Service, finding girl who would do anything for Russia, and you. Good afternoon, WD-40. We now begin the Free Worlds in Double Jeopardy round of your mission. He's a sadistic criminal mastermind and international arms dealer who has brokered a deal to sell a stolen Scorpion missile to a Middle Eastern terrorist cell. The question is, who is Ranker? That's right, General Derwood Ranker. So why don't you begin your mission? And good luck to you, WD-40. And don't forget, WD-40, as always, this tape will self-destruct in three seconds. Every group of friends in college has a watering hole they frequent. Maybe it's a sudsy sports bar or a wild dance club meat market. My friends and I had a dilapidated French bistro which stayed open all night long and a flexible notion of the District of Columbia's alcohol laws called OPA de Cochon. That's French. French for shitty dive bar that stays open all night and will serve you underage if you flirt with the Algerian waiters. I spent many a night, many a booze-soaked night, in the cracked leather booths of OPA, drinking cheap wine, smoking like a chimney in an all-sans coal plant, debating deeply important matters to our lives such as who was fucking whom and why they weren't fucking me. College is such an important time in young lives. One of the reasons I treasured OPA was the history of the place. I mean, not like the history like Lafayette pissed there or something. It opened in 1976, but a more contemporary history. There was a genuine Soviet spy scandal. Right there in the shithole bar, I pickled my liver inside every night. On November 2nd, 1985, a guy named Yuri Yurchenko, a Soviet KGB officer who had defected to the United 
United States a few months earlier was dining with with his CIA handler at OPA? It's believed that Vitaly asked to use the restroom and then crawled out the window and (laughs) went right back to the Soviet embassy just a few blocks away. He even told his handler that if he didn't come back, it wasn't the CIA guy's fault. Is that like a hint or what? I kind of think so. And again, because right after that, and after he said that, your chinko vanished and kept right on walking back to Moscow, where he turned up a few weeks later. Yurchenko was put on a chartered Soviet jetliner this afternoon at Washington's Dulles Airport for his return trip to the Soviet Union. As he left, U.S. intelligence sources cast more light on his reasons for going back. Yurchenko, they say, had expected Svetlana Dedkova, the Soviet official's wife with whom he had been having an affair, to join him in his new life in the U.S. Sources say the CIA arranged for Yurchenko to see Dedkova in Canada last month, but that she spurned him. Indeed, he had recently been deeply depressed. I always enjoyed sitting in Yuri's booth, which was marked with a little plaque that read, Yuri Yurchenko's last meal in the United States when we drank at OPA. Though my friends didn't enjoy it quite like I did. Maybe it's because I was a few years older and remember the good old days when the Soviet Union was a threat and Russian spies were dangerous and hiding under every rock. Plus, I also tried to crawl out the men's room window one night to escape a very angry ex, mostly because of the spy thing. Why I'm telling you all this is they don't make Russian spies quite like they used to. And that brings me to Maria Butina, the latest femme fatale to lure pure-blooded American boys into sin and betrayal with her Russian wiles, which, uh, based on the reports I'm seeing, were not uh, exactly wily. From what I can tell, she basically walked up to Republicans, and Republicans took one look at her and said, Look, Ellie, just tell me what you want me to do, and I'll do it. She didn't need to so much convince them to betray America as just let them do what they were already doing. Because conservatives, and this is important for the story I'm trying to tell this week, are very, very dumb. Who is Maria Butina? Super spy. <laughs> hardly. Maria Butina is a 29-year-old Russian woman, possibly from Siberia. From Siberia the way that Ted Cruz is from Texas. You know, just some shit you say to make you sound authentic. Her true history is murky, but sometime around 2010, she appeared in Moscow and quickly started a guns rights organization in Russia. Russia does not have an equivalent to the Second Amendment, forcing Russians to find other more difficult and tedious ways to kill one another, like, oh, nerve agents and chronic alcoholism. Miss Butina supposedly started the group to build up a grassroots movement called the Right to Bear Arms, which is just a wasted opportunity to make a great pun. She should have named the group the Right to Arm Bears. You know, because Russians and bears and... Fine, never mind. Anyway, the supposed premise of the group was to gain increased gun ownership rights in Russia. And it certainly sounds suspicious. Somewhere along the way, Butina connected with a Russian oligarch by the name of Oleg Torshin, a guy who was so closely connected to Vladimir Putin, the two of them might as well be leading the resistance on Mars. Now, open your mind to me. Torshin, who also pretends to be very invested in guns rights, took a real shine to Bettina and hired her as his special assistant. It's not exactly clear what Bettina assisted Torshin with, but uh, chances are it wasn't because she was very good at math. 
Okay, you see that? That right there, that is sexist. Oh, come on. She's banging an ugly bald guy to stay in the United States so she can spy. Show me where I'm wrong. Butina and Torshin traveled to the United States meeting with various and sundry gun nuts in the NRA and GOP politics in the over the years. She was trotted out to the, the Russian Dana Lash or some shit. Honestly, no one could explain why she was here but or what she was doing. But then no one was really asking any questions. She was hot. She was Russian. And she loved guns. That was enough to make all the trigger strokers come in his pants. Between Torsion's long-running connections with the NRA and Butina's fiery girl in the bunker next door look, it wasn't long before Maria was the darling of the NRA social scene. In 2016, she obtained a student visa to attend grad school at, ironically enough, American University in Washington, D.C., where her fellow students were so concerned about her pro-Russian sentiments, they reported her to the American University staff as a possible Russian spy. From an article in the Chicago Tribune, quote, Butina's embrace of Russia was so public that the people affiliated with AU worried about possible links to the Kremlin and alerted school officials during her tenure there, according to three people familiar with the conversations. University officials did not appear alarmed and did not appear to take any immediate action. Action, unquote. The trip story details other juicy tidbits about Putina that mark her as possibly the worst Russian spy ever sent to the United States. She had, and I swear I'm not making this up, a shirtless Putin cell phone case. Oh, and your associates are not exactly subtle. Since her arrival in the U.S., Butina has been the Lin-Manuel Miranda play of GOP politics for the past few years. No one knows how much she was involved, but she was definitely... This is but a short list of the Gunnarati who Butina rubbed shoulders and other things with over the past few years. California Representative Dana Rohrbacher who literally has to spit out a pair of Russian balls before he can speak. Don't talk with your mouth full. Wisconsin Governor and low-budget Paul Ryan Scott Walker, lower-budget Trump Don Jr. had had dinner with Miss Butina, the fucking National Security Advisor and low-budget walrus impersonator John fucking Bolton did a video with and for Butina back in 2013. Former Louisiana Governor and permanent disgrace Bobby Jindal and the froth of mix uh, frothy mix of semen, lube, and fecal matter Rick Santorum. <laughs> Pose for photos with her. She even managed to ask a question of the Trump himself back when he was just a joke candidate. My question will be about foreign politics. Okay. If you would be elected as a president, what will be your foreign politics, especially in the relationships with my country? And do you want to continue the politics of sanctions that are damaging of both economy, or you have any other ideas? I know Putin. And I'll tell you what, we get along with Putin. Putin has no respect for President Obama. Big problem. Big problem. And Russia has been driven. You know, I've always heard, for years I've heard, one of the worst things that can happen to our country is if Russia ever gets driven to China. We have driven them together. Just in the interest of honesty, I edited out a bunch of Trump jibber-jabber leading up to the point where he says he knows Putin. But really... That's what I wanted you to hear. 
<laughs> As I mentioned, she was boning GOP operative Paul Erickson, a man 27 years older than Butina, but whose connections throughout the GOP politics in the NRA were only rivaled by the speed of his retreating hairline and expanding waistline. Ted's not an impressive man. But she was doing it out of love. Not of Paul, who was only useful for doing her homework and putting her in contact with a who's who of conservative politics in return for a hot chick touching his dingle, but love for Mother Russia. All of this and more resulted in Maria Butina being arrested last week as an unregistered foreign agent. Unregistered foreign agent is Diplo speak for you being a spy, but we don't want to charge you with espionage so we can hold that over your head and get you to flip. And for illegally lobbying, by which I mean funneling illegal Russian money through the NRA to political candidates. All of which are felonies with long prison stretches, and all of which which are probably just the public face of a much larger investigation reaching throughout American politics. Maria Bettina may be a shitty, shitty spy, but the people that she's working, the people that she's duping, they're just, they're just fucking idiots. If you are like me and grew up in the shadow of the Russian bear, you know the Russians were master spies. I mean, forget your James Bond. You had a diabolical agent of communism doing the utmost to overthrow the free market and tear American flags off of every front porch in Etowah, Tennessee, population 1,857 everywhere. Attention, we stopped those two busybodies cold. Now on to the hardest part of in this plan. And that is? We're going to take Washington. Darling, that's not hard. No. Look at headline. Boston takes Washington 7-2. to two. Anybody can take Washington. Unlike so many of these stories where we would arrive at this point and I would say something like, but in reality, things were much different. I can say with some authority that in this case, that shit was pretty much true. The Russians were all up in our business. Once upon a time, the Russians and then the Soviets and now the Russians again were masters of espionage and the United States now and has been a second-rate power in that department. Don't believe me? Well, let me take you to a way back. Our way back this week takes us to January 12, 1830, when Lord Ellenborough, the president of the Board of Control for India, tasked William Betnick, the governor general of India, to establish new, a new trade route to Bakara. What the hell are you talking about? No, oh, fine, we'll skip over all the details, and uh, I'll just commend you to episode 124, A War Without End, Amen, to learn everything you need to know about the great game. The Russian history of spying goes way back, way even beyond the machinations in Central Asia. Why? Because the Russians loved spying. And when you have the kind of governments Russia has traditionally had, you need spies. From an article in dailyhistory.org, quote, Ivan IV Vasilyevich, sometimes better known as Ivan the Terrible or Ivan the Formidable, established one of the first espionage services in Russia in the 16th century. Ivan was one of the first monarchs to create a very centralized Russian state. Before his time, Russian nobles often held great power and influence and would often oppose the actions of the Tsar. He created an organization called the Operachik, who were a group of operatives loyal to the Tsar and effectively became Russia's first state police and spy service. 
The next great development occurred during the reign of Peter the Great from 1682 to 1721, where he inaugurated the Bureau of Information. This organization acted like a network of secret police who spied on the population. However, spying also now developed as a state enterprise against adversaries. Russia in this time became a more modern state to compete militarily with the other great European powers. This meant that espionage of these potential adversaries became more important as Russia now came into increased conflict with European states. The Russian Empire also witnessed an expansion of the time of Peter the Great, including against the Ottoman Empire, requiring better information for battlefield success. This became a long relationship between the military and espionage in Russia that has lasted to this day. Unquote. Spying is a cottage industry in Russia, and by the rise of the Soviet Union, it was an international export. We're not talking about cheap Chinese knockoffs either. Soviet spies were the platinum standard of espionage for most of the 20th century. Damn Russians are watching us right now. The Cambridge Five, the Portland Spy Wing, the Ware Group, Silver Master Spy Ring, the Sobels, the Browders, the Golos Networks, and a bevy of spies who were reporting every single nuclear secret to Stalin as fast as we were making them. The KGB really had infiltrated various components of the U.S. government in the years leading up and through World War II. Hollywood likes to lionize the CIA, and the CIA is pretty good against everyone except the KGB. The KGB took the CIA's game and turned it into I made your game my bitch if you ever want to have some fun at the expense of your buddy in the CIA get a few drinks in him and say something like boy you guys got totally ass fucked by Aldrich Ames didn't you and see what happens the red scares actually did catch communist spies that gets forgotten sometimes. At the same time, they were also cultural purges used to enforce conformity and on American society and punish the political enemies of those conducting the investigations. So, you know, that worked for the Russians, too. One of the ways the Russians are so damn effective at spycraft is they are perfectly willing to burn the asset if the chaos of their revelation sows enough just incredible paranoia and fear to make the loss of the asset worthwhile. Which brings us back to Maria Butina. Who the fuck is Maria Butina? Is she an FSB agent? A GRU patsy? Some chick from Russia who got caught up in some wild Putin shit? An innocent young woman who rubs her, who loves her country and is wrongly accused in a witch hunt investigation fueled by anti-Russian fervor? Probably not that either. It probably doesn't matter because Maria... Mongo only pawn in game of life. The question we should be asking, what does Russia want? What does Putin want? Let's start with what does Russia want? From an article of the same name from the Council on Foreign Relations EU, quote, does it, for example, want to restore the Soviet Union? Start a socially conservative revolution in the West? Unify Russian-speaking lands? Conclude a geopolitical deal with Donald Trump? Conquer the world? Unquote. The article goes on to knock down territorial gains like the Soviet Union and poo-poo the rise of the far-right empire and even a Russian language hegemony to basically say the what Russia really, really wants. That's right, the author goes on to posit that much of the current animus is due to a lack of respect towards Russia, and that is, that is part perception and part genuine on the part of the West. 
Quote, Moscow thinks that it is trying to make the West come to its senses and abandon a disastrously utopian worldview that is already falling apart and causing chaos. It could be argued that Russia is trying to shape, not break the West, although the shaping implies overturning many of the concepts that the West considers essential, unquote. So if we all just settle down and extend Russia a seat at the world table, we can all work together to move towards a brighter tomorrow. What? This is your solution? Okay, that's probably a little controversial. Then let's try, what does Putin want? I spent the last two years listening to people try to answer this question. I've heard every theory from the master manipulator to the lucky fucker theory. And personally, I lean towards the lucky fucker theory. Vladimir Putin is a capable enough dictator, I guess, but he's not an evil genius. He's just throwing a lot of shit at the wall to see which turd sticks. And one of the turds which stuck was one of the luckiest shot ever made. I mean, a lottery winning turd toss. He was fucking around in American elections, trying to destabilize them more out of sense than fuck these people then i'm gonna put my guy in charge because he knows that guy's a fucking dipshit and then all of a sudden fucking one that's right fucking donald trump won so what does putin want again so many theories but the one i believe to be correct is putin wants bill broader's head on a pike and the repeal of the magnitsky act you see putin over and above anything else is a very very rich man and he likes being very very rich the people that support him keep him in power. They are also very, very rich. There is a theory that Vlad is using those very rich people to hide the fact that he's the one that has all the money, but I don't necessarily buy that one. Vlad got all that money by stealing it from Russia and other rich people, mostly by killing them when they didn't want him to steal their money. And one of those people that he stole money from was a guy named Bill Browder, an American investor in Russia. In 2008, his lawyer, Sergei Magnitsky, discovered that the Russian government, and therefore Vladimir Putin, had stolen $230 million from Browder. Magnitsky reported the theft, and Putin killed him. Browder and the rest of his money got out of Russia just ahead of Putin's goons. Since then, Browder has been trying to get justice for Magnitsky, and the way he's doing it is by getting country after country to lock down the money of the people who violate human rights. Basically, if your name is on a list compiled by the government, you can't travel to the country, own any property in the country, or use that country's financial system. If you have money or property in the country, it's seized and held pending the outcome of a trial. It's a brilliant law, and it has fucking royally pissed off Vladimir Putin and his cronies. Billions of dollars in their cash and property are now held by the U.S., Canada, United Kingdom, Estonia, Lithuania, and Latvia, who all have Magnitsky laws and it's being debated in many other nations. This law is strangling Putin and his people to, by taking their offshore accounts and properties from them. And they hate that because Russia... What am I saying? It's Russia. I it sucks. You know that. All of this, Trump, the NRA, Dana Rohrbacher sucking Russian balls all day long, isn't about politics. It's about money. Okay, those two things are actually the same thing, but really it's more about the money than the politics. Putin is willing to spend a little to make a lot more. He has maybe six more years in office before he gets too old. But in that time, he's got to drain the Russian economy of every last penny he can and then spend the remainder of his years of his life in decadent as a decadent super wealthy asshole. To make that happen, he needs to keep the Russian people focused on anything other than him. And the traditional way to do that in Russia, indeed most of the world, is to find one someone outside and make them the enemy. 
make the enemy the center of attention. He's making the West that enemy. He's using Trump to keep the United States from getting the rest of the world to focus on him and using the rest of us and Trump to focus the message that the West hates the people of Russia and the Russian state so that the people of Russia don't do the thing that they do when things get so bad they can't take it anymore. Depose the czar forcefully. That's right, America. Our country's on fire right now, so a low-rent dictator can get rich enough to retire. Jesus. Two of them, actually. It isn't about ideology or politics. Jesus. Two of them, actually. It's not a fight for territory or hearts and minds. It's about fucking money. Honestly, Donald fucking Trump is the perfect president for this place and time because he's got no ideology or politics either. It's all about the money. There's no P-tape. It is only the Benjamins and the mutual love of cash that bonds these two assholes together. Well, that and the felony money, money laundering for Trump that's been going back for decades. Maria Butina is almost certainly exactly what she seems, a Russian agent who's here to disrupt our political structure and funnel Russian money into so in social and political discord. Is she a Russian super spy? <laughs> no, she doesn't have to be because we're, we are so much less than we used to be. She's a two-bit spy in a two-bit conspiracy populated by dipshits and sloppy con men, and that's all she needs to be because we, and I mean the collective we don't need Jason Bourne meets James Bond. We're too busy fighting each other for so long that you could send Maxwell fucking smart and accomplish the mission. We've made it so easy to tear us apart, to get us fighting each other, that we're happy to welcome spies and saboteurs into the midst. The right is just more obvious about it, less sophisticated. But Russia was balls deep in the left as well. If you turn over some Bernie bro rocks, you'll find a hot Russian chick talking about socialism. All oh, We've all made it so fucking easy, it's impossible to resist. And when all is said and done, don't blame Russia for doing what Russians do. Blame us for making it so easy for Russians to be Russians. I've got a friend who's kind of like me, a veteran and liberal, and he said a time or two that we focus too much on the Russia thing. His point, and it's a good one, is that Democrats need to find a message that is anything other than Trump is a Russian patsy and we need to impeach him. We need to focus on issues. And he's 100% correct. The issues for the upcoming election are the failures of the GOP to govern, their fake-ass tax cuts, their blatant attack on health care, their Supreme Court judges, and the fucking corruption of administration, of which Russia is but a tiny sliver. But at the same time, the Russia thing is a big fucking deal. Russian spies are having fucking dinner with the GOP, and they are literally fucking the GOP and metaphorically fucking America. All this smoke is hiding a huge fire. And I think that maybe, maybe we ought to like, I don't know, put that fire out. If for no other reason than the next time we get some competent spies out of Russia. Because clearly they are not sending their best people. <laughs> that is it for our show this week. Wow. Just wh how weird is shit right now? I mean, we are way past Russian spies crawling out dive bar windows weird. We are into rejected Twilight Zone scripts weird. If you handed Rod Serling the script of the of 2018 to him back in the 1960s, he'd have all been like, look, this is a serious show, Dan. Don't be bringing me this crazy shit. Go back and write something about a kid with psychic powers, something the audience can believe in. And speaking a belief. I believe that you should rate and review the show wherever you find your podcast. It will help other people find the show. And if you don't, I will send you to the cornfield. All of the monsters on my metaphorical wing can be read at the Twitter, on the, at the hell underscore podcast, or the show name on Facebook. 
All the Monsters on Maple Street episodes of the show may be found at the show name on SoundCloud and at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. For me, Dave 007 Bledsoe, producer Agent 99 Gavin, and all the fictional operatives on this show, we want to say we went home with a waitress the way we always do. How were we to know she was with the Russians too? We'll see you all next week. I've wanted to use all your guns and money on the show so many times. for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.